Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. I don't want you to do this this morning and feel like I feel pressure. I'm a Christian and so I have to do this. It says God loves a cheerful giver. So really, don't feel pressured like I have to do this thing. If I don't do this thing, then God won't like me and he'll be mad at me. You you know, you don't want to get into works. You want to walk in God's grace, which he freely gives to all of us apart from our works. But does that mean that we don't do things? No, we do them because we want to do them. Really, this morning, the heart that I want you to have this morning, if you want to give, I want you to just take this and say, this is what we're going to do. Take it in your hand. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. We acknowledge that 100% of everything that we have that's good in our lives has come from you. You have blessed us with jobs. You've blessed us with provision. And so, Father, we just we take this portion and we give it to your kingdom because Your kingdom is the top priority in our lives. We love you. We love what you love. We're passionate what you're passionate about. And we're just so thankful that we get to be participants in building your kingdom on this earth. Now, Lord, I know we don't ever have to worry. We don't have to beg you for it. But your word did say that if we gave, that it would be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, running over and poured into our laps. So, Father, we just stand on that word and we thank you for the provision that is coming to our households in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Ushers, go ahead and take that up. Hallelujah. Everybody else, if you have your Bibles and if you're a first time visitor, make sure to put your connect card in that in that offering bucket. Everybody else, turn your Bibles to Matthew 24. We're going to read a few verses this morning. So the good news is. I don't feel like I have to cram too much because I'm already looking at my notes. I got five pages of notes here and I'm like, Lord, I don't think there's any way. Uh, But that's okay. We can take a little bit at a time and we'll go through this for the next several weeks. We are starting a new series. So if you're here today, it's your first time you came on a good Sunday uh, because we're we're, going to be delivering something fresh that the Lord's given for this church. Uh, It's going to be awesome. So let's just pray one more time together. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we hold this word in high esteem. Lord, as we get into this word this morning, I don't want to preach John's opinions about it. I don't want to take a little verse out of context and make it fit some creative point. I really, we really just endeavor to see what you're saying in this word. Not our agenda, not our will, let your will be done. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us today and show us revelation truth from your word that will help us in life. And set us on the right path. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Amen. So, we're starting a new series. And the series is called Sustainable Life. Can you guys say sustainable life? Sustainable life. I'm going to spend a little bit of time, probably more time this morning than I will the next few weeks, laying a foundation of why this is important. So, let's look at Matthew 24, 3-13. Matthew 24, 3 through 13, it says this. 
Verse 3, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came to him privately and said, tell us when all this will happen. What will be the signal of your return in the end of the world? So the disciples are asking Jesus, what will the world look like when when it's getting really close for you to come back? And this is what he says in verse 4. Don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming that I'm, I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of birth pains with more to come. So the Bible says nobody knows the day or the hour, not even the sun, not even the angels know the day that Jesus Christ is coming back. So anytime that you hear a prophet or a person give an exact date, you already know they're not speaking by the Spirit because Jesus said, nobody knows, not even the Son Himself. But even though we don't know the exact day, He said, just like you can tell whenever the spring's coming. Why? Because you start seeing the pretty yellow flowers. Y'all, we didn't have those yellow flowers in the desert in New Mexico. I love that. Driving down the highway and I see these fields of beautiful yellow flowers when the spring comes. I love it so much. I tell my wife every time. But the same way that you can see that and you know that the winter is ending and the spring is coming. He said, when you see these things taking place, you know that my return is very near. So he said, this is just the first of birth pains with more to come. Look what he said about Christians. You will be arrested, persecuted, and kill. Can you say arrested? Arrested. How can you be arrested if you're following the rules all the time? <laughs> one of one of the right, one of the Christian pushes right now is that you just obey the government all the time. Any leader, any person, whatever they say, if we're going to walk in love, we just comply and do what they say every time. Can I tell you? You don't get arrested for complying. You get arrested for standing in opposition. So Jesus, actually, when he said you'll be arrested, he wasn't. What does that imply? There will come a time in the end where you as Christians are going to have to stand and actually oppose the things that they're mandating that you do. You don't get arrested. I mean, you, you cannot debunk that logic. You don't get arrested for obeying the law. Verse 10. Many look at this. This is what I want you to see. Many will turn away from me. And betray and hate one another. So Jesus said one of the signs of the last days is that many will turn away from him and begin to betray and hate one another. So. This is not talking about unbelievers. You can't turn in order to turn away from something, you must first belong to something. Right. Another translation says depart. Can you say depart? I can't, like if I'm getting on a plane and flying to Washington or flying to New York City and I'm departing from Dallas, I can't depart from Dallas unless I was first at Dallas in the first place. Are y'all with me? So what the Bible is saying is you're actually going to see, say the word many, you're going to see this huge wave take place where many, it's not talking about Muslims and atheists and people that don't belong, many people that claim Christianity Many people that claim that they, they know Jesus and they're part of the faith and the body of Christ, all of these things. 
many will actually begin to turn away from the faith. Are y'all with me? Look at 1 Timothy 4.1. Paul said the same thing. Now the Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith and they will, default, they will follow deceptive spirits and teaching that comes from demons. Many will turn away. So I wanted to build this series because the Bible tells us, and I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus gave us these signs, the things that would take place, guys, they're happening all around us. It's really true. If you, if, I know sometimes we just think Huntington, Texas or Lufkin and we get in this little bubble. There's so much that's happening in the world that atheists are reading this book and seeing the things that was prophesied thousands of years ago and actually giving their lives to Jesus because they're saying there's no way that they could have known that. That means that what they said is true. And if that's true, then Jesus is real. And if he's real, then he is who the Bible says that he is. And if he is who the Bible says that he is, then I need to repent and receive him as my Lord and Savior. And people are doing that because these things are actually taking place. And so the Bible says that you're going to see this wave where people begin to depart from the faith. And so I wanted to build a series so that you could guarantee, you know, how can I guarantee I'm not one of those Christians? So what the Bible is talking about is that in the last days, there's going to be many things going on in the world around you that are going to give you a good reason to walk away from the faith. Whether it be pressure, whether it be human wisdom. Whether it be, you know, the flawed education system that we're raising our kids in that are teaching them that there is no God and we have no higher power and however you feel, that's the truth. Whatever that thing is, there's going to be many temptations in the last days for you to reject the faith and turn away from the Lord. So I wanted to, to make a series. It's called Sustainable Life. These, I'm going to give you keys that can guarantee that you walk in your faith, that you keep your faith and you don't depart and find yourself in one of these categories. Are y'all with me? Look at Matthew 25. We'll read this quickly and then we'll get into these keys. 1 through 13. So Matthew 25, it says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, they were roused with a shout. Look, the bridegroom, is, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. But the five who were foolish asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone out to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him. Can you say those who, were ready? those who were ready? Guys, I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of people. I don't know what they're waiting on. They're waiting for things to get a little bit worse. But when in this parable, when the bridegroom came, only those who were ready went with him to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. 
So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. What is Jesus saying? He's basically saying this. you got to stay ready all the time. Amen. Amen. Guys, and I'm t- I mean, a lot of Christians, they're not, if you just look, you know, the devil's really good at getting us to focus and concentrate and get consumed with things in life that absolutely don't matter. Stay ready. Say, stay ready. Stay ready ready all the time. I'm going to give you a little simple key. The ones that ended up getting to go were the ones that made preparations beforehand. What does that mean? These are not the people that just like how most Christians do. We just live by how we feel, right? Well, if I feel this way one day, I'm going to go this way. If I feel this way another day, I'm just going to come over here and I'm just blown and tossed however I feel, whatever I'm going through. You've got to have a moment in your life where you decide in your heart, this is who I am, this is what I believe, and this is what I am going to do. And you commit to it and you stick with it. If you'll make that decision, that decision will actually carry you through the rest of your life. Why? Because when you come into a hard season, a hard moment, a test, a trial, whatever you want to say, and you feel that pressure and that temptation... You say, well, I'm not going to decide today based off of how I feel. I already made this decision months ago. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm committing my life to. The Word of God. Jesus Christ. The cause of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then now you spend your life taking steps. Making preparations that you stay ready. So we're talking about the sustainable life. You know, it's really interesting. Jesus said in the last days, many will turn away from me. Did you know statistically 60 to 80 percent of youth age students leave the church when they graduate high school? We're in a time right now. And I'm telling you, if you looked in the 1950s or 40s or 30s, you wouldn't see this statistic. Modern statistics show that 60 to 80 percent of our kids are leaving the faith when they graduate high school. You know, what's actually funny is you're seeing, and I'm not saying the church isn't doing great things. There's many parts of the world that the church is doing awesome. But you're actually seeing for the first time, a set of Christianity going like this. You're kind of seeing a plateau and a, and a decline of Christianity and an increase of Middle Eastern religion. Buddhism. I mean, I don't even know all the, the Eastern religions, but what does that tell you? People... They're not, it's not that they're not interested in faith. They're interested in spirituality, but they're not interested in Christianity. And this is actually something that Jesus said. They will depart from the faith. First Timothy, they'll follow after deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Wow, so clear. So here's my point. We're going to go over six keys. You can write this down. Six keys that you need in order to live a sustainable life. How can I make sure that my lamps keep oil in them? And I'm not a Christian that's on fire for a month, and then a month later I burn out, and then three years go down the line and I have another personal revival moment and it lasts for a moment, but then it just fades out again and I go through this never-ending cycle. How can you actually keep your faith this time and sustain your faith and keep your oil in your lamp and keep your lamps burning. How can you do that? I'm going to give you six very practical keys to doing that. 
Because guys, I'm a very practical guy. That's how I think. I, I love the deep things. It's great. It's wonderful. But at the end of the day, I hate whenever you just get people that they're 600 feet deep and there's no application, right? You hear these great truths and revelation and theologies and oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. But like, oh, that's great. But what do I do with that right now? You know, how does that help me? To, how does that help me become a better husband? <laughs> how does that help me treat people better? So I'm going to give you very practical things. Write this down for point number one today. Can you say the word? I'm going to go ahead and give you the most important key that I'm telling you, it's the missing ingredient to 90% of Christians' lives. It is the word of God. Amen. Write this down. Every Christian, say every Christian. Every. Is anybody in here a Christian? Would you say I'm a Christian? That means I'm talking specifically to you and specifically to me. Every Christian needs to have the Bible a part, here's another key word, of their daily. Can you say daily? daily. Every Christian needs to have the Bible a part of their daily life. Say daily life. I promise you right now that if we looked at 90% of the problems that people are having, it can be traced back to this same solution that there's not the Word of God in that person's life every single day. Say daily life. Daily life. Hallelujah. The Bible, I'm going to tell you this, this is the God honest truth. The Bible is the difference between a Christian who makes it and a Christian that doesn't make it. And I'm not trying to talk, well, I'm not saying that it's all works and it's not the grace of God. And I'm not preaching a message about the Holy Spirit this morning, okay? I'm preaching a message about the Bible this morning. And I can tell you, the Bible is the difference between a Christian that makes it and a Christian that doesn't make it. Amen. I can actually tell, if I took two drug addicts off the street and, and they both had an encounter with God, they both got saved. They both got set free. They both decided we're going to walk a new life. And then both of those guys go in their own direction. And six months down the road, this, this guy that was an ex-drug user, he's serving the Lord. He's prospering. He's doing great. And this guy back over here, he's relapsed. You know that I could probably trace that back into their life. What was the thing that was different between the two of them? This guy over here made the Word a part of his daily life. And this guy over here tried to live off in an experience that he had when he got saved. And it couldn't keep him six months down the line. Are y'all with me? So the Bible's the difference between a Christian that makes it and a believer that doesn't. I can tell you this, the, the Bible was the difference in my life. I know I went to Bible college... And I was talking to our friends about this the other night, but I said, honestly, and I don't say this condemningly, it's just the truth. A lot of the kids that I went to Bible college with, not only are they not in the ministry, they're not even serving the Lord today. They're not even Christians. Like they don't even try, pretend to be Christians that I went to Bible college with. And that's exactly what Jesus said. Many will depart from the faith. And I sometimes have asked myself the question, and the Lord showed me this. I said, Lord, what was the difference? Why is it that we, you know, me and my wife, we're six years down the line and we're still burning hot. We're still running strong. We're still, we still love you. We still have vision. We're still serving you and happy to do it. And we're not burnt out. You know, even statistically, they say most pastors like don't last more than one to two years and then they burn out. Most people that are in ministry. And I've asked myself that question. 
Lord, I know that we're not just special because we're really very ordinary people. Extremely ordinary. I think disappointingly ordinary most of the time to people. Most people talk to me and we go hang out a little bit and they're like, you know, I just really expected something different, I think. I'm sorry. I love you. God's grace is amazing because it's not me, I promise you. But I, I did, I do, the Lord showed me one time, he traced it back to this moment in my life. After I graduated Bible college, and let me just give you some backstory. When I was in Bible college, I had to read the Bible. It was a part of our classwork. You know, we had to turn it in for a grade every single week, and that was actually part of our grade. We had to read three chapters of the Bible a day and five chapters on Sunday. Can I tell you this? That was the best thing I got out of Bible college. And my wife. Yeah, my wife looked at me. Y'all are being awfully quiet this morning. The best thing that I received from Bible college was not my theology, was not a lesson on how to preach. The best thing that I got out of going to Bible college was building the habit of studying the Word of God every day in my life. Because I remember this, when I came out, I had just got an apartment, and I went and I sat in this apartment. And, and I, I had this spare bedroom where I would seek the Lord, I would pray, and, and I remember I was seeking the Lord one day, and the Holy Spirit spoke so clearly to me. He said, John, now nobody's giving you a grade. He said, John, now nobody's watching you. You're in this room by yourself. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's standing behind you and going to say, good job, here's an A, you read your Bible verses. Who are you going to be now? Who are you going to be when no one's watching you? And I remember, I'm telling you, I took my Bible that day and I held it up to the Lord and I said, Lord, this is who I'm going to be. I dedicate my life to this. I don't care if I feel like it. I don't care if I don't feel like it. I don't care if I'm sick. I don't care if I'm happy. I don't care if I'm going through good times or I'm going through hard times. I will make your word a part of my life every single day. And can I tell you, that has been the difference in my life. The difference between a believer who makes it, a believer who keeps the faith, and one that falls away is the Word of God. I promise you and I guarantee you. So let me ask this question. Why is the Bible so important? I'm going to give you some facts of why is it important that I read the Bible. Let me give you a couple of things here. You can write these down. And if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1. You know Jesus by the Word of God. You know Jesus by the Word of God. Look at John 1. In the beginning, the Word. Can you say the Word? Already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Can you say the Word was God? Look over at verse 14 here. It says this. The Word became a human and made His home among us, and He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Who was that human? Jesus. That human was Jesus Christ. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Can you say the Word was God? So many people have such a hard time knowing God. Christians like, I just feel like I can't connect with God. I just really struggle in my relationship with God. It's because they're trying to know God in every other way and not through His Word. Right. 
Guys, can I really tell you something that will help you? This is Jesus in book form. If you want to know who Jesus is, don't turn on Caleb and sit there and, and meditate like this, hum, you know, until you get a revelation of Jesus is. Open your Bible and begin to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You will discover the person of Jesus Christ and you will come to know Him through the Word. Are you guys with me? You know, and, and I'm going to tell you, Jesus, it didn't say, and I want to say this, I think that worship, I mean, it's amazing, it's important. Prayer is important, but can I tell you the Word's actually even more important than prayer and worship? Yeah. You know why? Because if you don't know the Word, you don't know how to pray. That's right. You know, the Bible actually talks about that you can pray amiss. What does it mean to pray? You know, because people, they don't even know how to pray. Well, am I praying? Oh, Father, uh, somewhere up in heaven. They don't even know how Jesus actually gave us specific instructions. You can ask anything, right, using my name. And if you do this, it shall be given unto you. I say again, ask using my name and you shall receive and you shall have abundant joy. He gave us instructions on how to talk to the Father. He actually said you can come into the presence of the Father in John chapter 15. And he said, come using my name. Hallelujah. So here's my point. Is prayer important? Yes, prayer is important. Is worship important? Yes, worship is important. But you actually can't do either one of those things properly if you don't know the Word of God. That's why the Word of God is the most important thing. Can I tell you this? You can't build your life on a worship song. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, those who build their life on my words are like a person who builds their life on solid bedrock. Though the wind blows, the rain comes down, and the torrents rise, all these things, he says, you shall not be shaken. It won't come tumbling and crashing down. Guys, so many people are trying to build their life off of a song they heard on the radio. They hear some country song, right? That Blake Shelton said, made some phrase. And I, I like that phrase. I'm going to make that my life motto. <laughs> you, know what I, you, you know what I'm talking about? You can't build your life off of a song. You have to build your life on, a, on the Word of God. Amen. Faith comes from the Word. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Faith is not just believing something. Faith is believing God's Word. Amen? Amen? Faith isn't just, I mean, faith that works is not, I just have this total belief in, in some random thing. No, faith is coming to the Word of God, seeing what God said, believing what God said in spite of what you might even see, and choosing to obey God and believe God in your life and situation. That's what faith is. So, He said the Word became flesh. So get this, you can't know Jesus without knowing your Word. I know a lot of people, you may be sitting here thinking, this seems like elementary. I'm actually giving you the answer to your problem in life right now. You're trying to do things for God. You're trying to have a relationship with God, but you have no Word in your life, and you actually can't know God apart from the Word. Write this down. You know God's will 
when you know God's word. Why is the Word of God so important? Because when you know the Word of God, you automatically know the will of God. Can I give you some examples? Look at Isaiah 48. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. What does that say? That literally means, guys, people may change, things may change, time may change, but God said, my Word is never changing. Let me give you a couple more verses. Hebrews 13.8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I just give you some practical examples about this? Can we talk about healing for a moment? You know how many people go into this prayer, and they go into this place of prayer, and they say, I prayed, and I just felt like the Lord told me, right? Like maybe they're battling with cancer. And I just felt like the Lord told me that this cancer was my burden to bear. Now, people say stuff like that, right? They'll say, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that this sickness, right? This was my burden to bear. Can I tell you, that person's listening to a demon. He's not listening to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday as He is today as He is forever. So when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did Jesus ever say that to somebody? No. Did a sick person ever one time come to Jesus? And sick, and he said, you know what, brother? It's actually God's will, and God's chastising you, and God's doing something through this disease. Did he ever do it one time? No, no actually, Matthew 8, 17 says he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Yeah. He, he, he set the captive free. He went around doing good and healing all. Say healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So I can know Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it was God's will for Him to heal 2,000 years ago, it's still God's will for Him to heal me today. And it's God's will that I'm healed. And every other lying voice comes from the devil. Trying to get me in doubt and unbelief. Look at this, Numbers 23.19. God is not a man. He does not lie. He's not a human, so he doesn't change his mind. God's not a man that he lied that he should lie, or a man that he should change his mind. Can I give you something that'll help you guys? God doesn't change his mind. Yeah, that's right. So anytime that you come across a person, or if you've ever had this thought, well, I know the Bible says, but one time I was in prayer, and one time I listened to this worship song, and I just felt like the Lord told me this. If it is conflicting with what the Word says, can I tell you something? You're you're not listening to the truth. You're not listening to a a truthful spirit. Are you with me? God doesn't change His mind. There's people that run around and they get super weird because they're like, I get some special revelation. You know, people do that too. They, talk, they prophesy about time of God's judgment. and uh, I'll give you an example. People run around and talk about judgment on the body of Christ. COVID-19's judgment on the body of Christ because the body of Christ allowed abortion. Can I tell you something? I'm not trying to say that there's not a hand of God that judges the world, but if you look at the Scripture, God always rescues His people from judgment. Look at Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Did God, did God destroy the city with Lot in it or did he remove Lot first? Look at Noah when God flooded the earth. Did God flood the earth along with Noah's his family or did God make a way and preserve Noah and his family? So God always preserves the righteous even in the midst of judgment. So any person that tells you, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he doesn't lie and he doesn't change his mind. You understand why the Word... You have to have the word or you'll be misled in your life. The devil will use people to mislead you. He'll use spirit and people that are, they're not devil worshiping people. They just may be people that's being used and they don't even know they're being used. Look at this. So people kind of get this. Have you ever, you know what I'm talking about? The special revelation. Well, I know the Bible says, but. It's like, they just, I have a special word from God. God showed me something special. Actually, let's go back to the word. Galatians 1, 8-9. Look what Paul said. Let a curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say it again, as I've said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one that you welcome, let that person be cursed. The, the, the original translations say, let that person be damned. You know what Paul was saying? Paul was saying, look, look, listen to me, guys. This, this is the highest authority. You can have your opinion and I can have my opinion, but ultimately what we both have to do is come to the Word, and if God says it, that settles it. Yeah. I, if God says something that's contrary to my opinion... Here's a revolutionary thought. I changed my opinion. Like we as Christians need to learn to do that. But no, you don't understand. Uncle Bucky always told me that this is the way that it was. Well, I'm telling you, we just got to humble ourselves and say, well, uh, well, is it, is it, here's a thought. Is it possible that that person that told you that was wrong? Is that possible? There's no way. So you're saying it's more possible that God and His Word was wrong than Uncle Bucky was wrong? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm trying to be funny and you guys are taking it so serious. I'm trying to like make it palatable a little bit. So... What Paul was saying, he was, he was saying, I don't care who says it. I don't care if... Look at this. And this is what a, a preacher should say. And it's true. Don't take what I say. Compare what I say to the Word of God. Because I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's the President of the United States. It doesn't matter who it is. Paul said, I don't care if an angel materializes. You see a little light orb float down from heaven and materialize and begin to tell you a message that's different than the message that's in this Word, let that angel be damned to hell, Paul said. What does that mean? God's Word is set, God's Word is established, and it changes not. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of the Lord remains forever. You know, that's the most amazing thing. That's why you can build your life on the Word because it never changes. That's why we can still thrive in 2021 because God's Word is the same in 2021 as it was 2,000 years ago. 
God's Word will work for us just like it worked for the church in Rome and the church in Ephesus and the church in, in Corinth. Are y'all with me? That's why we got to get these new age, right? Because I know every generation thinks we're the smartest and we have the most information. And, and Guys, I don't care if a green alien from another planet comes down and begins to say things. Well, I'm the one that created life and you're not... You'd be damned to hell because God's Word is very clear amen, about what He said. And if we can actually learn to grab a hold of that and not change it and not compromise it and not conform and like, oh, there's this new modern thing, stick with the Word of God and your life will be set on a straight path. Amen. Write this down. God, this is the last point that I'll give you for today. Maybe so, but the Word of God. Why is the Bible important? So we just said the Word is where you know Jesus. You know Jesus through through the Word. You know the will of God through the Word. The Word of God is where you receive your nourishment. There's a lot of Christians that are malnourished. I'm telling you guys, seriously, there's a lot of Christians, they always use words like, well, I'm just burnout. Ever heard that word, burnout? I just I feel like I'm burned out. I feel like I'm just ran dry. You know why? The Word. The Word of God. Can I tell you, some people, they love God. So what do they do? They get busy and they cut the Word out. And it's not even from a bad heart. But they love God so much, they continue to do things for God without the nourishment that comes from God. And they end up getting burned out. You have to have the Word of God in your life every single day. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 4. Jesus said, told the devil, no, the Scriptures say people don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, you think about this. If you actually look in your Bible, there's there's a note. Back to the story when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. And this is the story. The parallel story of this is when God gave His children manna from heaven. And if you kind of tie these things together, Jesus is talking about my word is like their manna. How God fed them with manna. God feeds me. God feeds us with His word. I don't live off of bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. If you actually look at the manna of heaven, how often did God give the manna? Every single day. Yeah. Woo. Give us today our daily bread. Every single day. And can I tell you something that happened with the manna of heaven? If they collected manna on Monday, they had to eat it on Monday. You know what happened? Because when Tuesday came, it had already spoiled and there was fresh manna for Tuesday. So that's the problem with Christians is they're trying to live off of a word that God gave them a month ago five months ago, ten years ago. You meet people, they're still stuck in something that happened ten years ago. And can I tell you, if you're alive on the earth today, God has a fresh word for you right now and today in Jesus' name. You have to have it every day. He says you live off of every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. So can I just tell you this? You can't live without the word of God. Don't even try. 
If you're a Christian, you cannot live without the Word of God. I know this may sound so elementary, but I'm, I promise you right now, because the Lord told me so clearly in my spirit, this is the solution to 90% of the problems that Christians face. You're, you're looking for answers everywhere else when it's right here. It's right here. You know, trying to get free. Trying to get delivered. Instead of getting into the Word of God, and you read in Colossians chapter 2 where it says Christ disarmed the enemy. That He literally broke His power. He's translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. If you would get that and read it and see it and get a revelation of it, you don't have to jump through 15 hoops to get free. You can be delivered the moment that you see it because Jesus already accomplished it. There's actually so many things that Jesus accomplished in His work on the cross and His resurrection. He accomplished and He established. He, gave, he already released it. He gave it. There's a wide open heaven. We can have as much of it as we want, as often as we want, but yet Christians still struggle with their problems because they don't for a lack of knowledge. Amen. <laughs> They're looking for answers in all the wrong places. So the Word of God is where you receive your nourishment. You can't live without the Word of God. And I said it, but I'll say it again. Because this is a good thing to write down. If you do things for God without nourishment from the Word, you will burn out. If you do things for God, but don't have it built up in your life where you're receiving nourishment from the Lord, you will, you will burn out. You'll dry out. So this... Write this down. The Bible actually feeds your spirit. Amen. Here's the thing that people don't realize because we're so carnal-minded. We only think this world. We only think uh, the, the desires of our flesh. We only think uh, in this realm. But the man is actually three parts, the Bible says. So if you're in this room, you know that you're not just a, a man. You're not just flesh. There's three parts to your being. You have a spirit... You have a soul, your mind, body, your mind, will, and emotions, and you have a body. You know, that's why the Bible says to be absent from the earth is to be present with the Lord. Do you know this, that you are a spirit, you're not a body. You're a spirit, you have a body. You're not even a body that has a spirit. You are actually a spirit being, and you have a physical body, a fleshly body. That's why this body can die and you will live. You'll live in one of two places. You'll go to heaven or you'll go to eternal punishment and judgment. But you will live forever in one of those two places because you are an internal spirit being. Amen. So why is the Word of God so important? The Bible, it doesn't, just, it doesn't physically feed you. right? It's not talking about I live off of every word like I'm supposed to actually take a bite out of this book and eat the pages. No, the Bible feeds your spirit. The Bible feeds your spirit. Look at this. The Word and the Spirit are connected. So I'm going to show this to you, but guys, this is different than any other book that exists. This is not like Twilight, and it's not like Huckleberry Finn, and it's not like Junie B. Jones. This is a spiritual book that feeds your spirit, man, when you partake of it. So I'll give you some examples here. Hebrews 4.12 The Word. Say the Word. word. 
The Word of God is alive. Say alive. Did you actually know that? That the Bible is alive. So that means when you begin to apply it in your life, it actually goes to work doing things in your life. When you make this Word a part of your daily life, it is alive and powerful. It goes into your life and it starts working things out, moving things around, adjusting, shifting. Uh, it's just amazing. The Word is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Say sword. sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So the Bible says that the Word of God is like a sword. Do you see that? It literally paints this picture. The Word, say, look at this. Say, the Word equals sword. Okay? Look at Ephesians 6.17. It's talking about the armor of God. It says, put on your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit. So that's talking about the Spirit, right? Is also a sword. And the Word is a sword. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God. What does that show you? The Spirit of God and the Word of God are connected. Why do I use the word connected? Because this isn't the Holy Ghost, but this is connected. The Holy Spirit is the author of this book. Do you know that? Man wrote the book, but the Holy Spirit inspired man when they wrote the book. So the Word is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit and the Word are one. The Spirit wrote the Word. So look at this. We just read in John chapter 1. In the beginning, the Word became flesh. What does that show you? Jesus and the Word are one. The Spirit and the Word are one. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are two parts of a three-part God. They are, they are distinctly different, but they are one in the same. They're united. They're connected. So that's why when you read this Word, this isn't, that's why it's so important, even if you don't feel like it, when you read the Bible, you're feeding your spirit, man. In your spirit, you start receiving revelation. In your spirit, God begins to start speaking to you. In your spirit, God begins to start showing. As you start reading, you read through the book of Matthew. Then you get to Mark, Luke, John. Little things will start popping up as you read, and the Holy Spirit will begin to just take that and give you revelation knowledge. The Bible feeds your spirit. Why do Christians struggle so much with sin? And even hearing the voice of God because all we do is feed our flesh and we never feed or nourish our spirit. How do you nourish your spirit? Through the Word of God. Brother John, I can't tell you. I just keep, oh man, I just keep struggling with this. Stop struggling. Start nourishing your spirit. Feeding your spirit. Feed your spirit more than you feed your flesh. Yeah. Guys, and I'm telling you, I have no problem. Watch TV. Work hard. Enjoy your life. That's great. But there's a problem when we watch like 30 hours of TV a week and we read our Bible once a month. And we wonder why. Why is my flesh dominating my life? What do you think you're feeding all the time? Hallelujah. We got much more sustainable life. So I want to leave you with that this morning. If you want to live a sustainable life and not be one of the ones that in the last day turns away from the faith, you have to be rooted in the Word of God every single day. Yeah. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Y'all,
Before I dismiss you, I want to pray over you. I think this word, I mean, that, that's the application of this word is, is I think the Holy Spirit's showing you things. If you know that you need to commit to this and get more in depth, and I don't want to tell you that's the importance of being plugged into the church. That's what you do when you come. It's not only reading the word, it's also by hearing the word. So it's like that's why it's important to come on Sunday mornings. That's why it's important to come on Wednesday nights as a body when we get together and we're going verse by verse by verse because then God's not just feeding me, He's feeding us as a body. And we're all sitting here feasting on the Word of God together and we're all getting nourished and we're all growing. So can I tell you, if you're too busy for God and you're too busy for the Word, can I tell you, you're too busy. Rearrange and readjust and make adjustments in your life because... This is the most important thing. If you'll actually get this right, everything else in life will follow. So get plugged into the small groups. Come on Sundays. Come on Wednesdays. Hallelujah. The Word of God. Amen. Go to work in your life. Just lift your hands up. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for giving us revelation. We know your will. We, know, we can know you by your word. Thank you for giving us. This is our lamp. This is our light. And I thank you that as we preach today, the Holy Spirit began to speak to people about what they must do in their lives. Changes that must be made. Adjustments that must be made. Even encouragements. That people came in here today and they leave encouraged in the mighty name of Jesus. They don't leave defeated. They don't leave bound. That they come out in total faith knowing that any problem they walked in here with, it fell off the moment that they received it. The moment that they called out to the name of Jesus, that issue fell off of their life and they've received total freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for your word and we thank you for your blessing. And all God's people said... Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.